Welcome to the RV Navigator Podcast, your RV lifestyle digital home. Visit the RV Navigator homepage at rvnavigator.com. And now, here are your hosts, Ken and Martha, podcasting from their mobile RV studio that might be parked in a campground near you. Hello, this is Ken, your RV Navigator. And Martha, the co-pilot. And we're talking to you once again from our at-home studio. Yes. Having just survived a 16-hour flight home from India. We love the long flights. Sorry, but today's episode is going to talk primarily about India once again, because that's what we've been doing for the last month. Our last podcast, you recall, was made just before we went into India, or just as we... Oh, at the end of Sri Lanka? Exactly. And then we spent the last month in India, and we are now recovering from jet lag. And at 3.30 in the morning, here we are. It is dark out. We're waiting for the sun to rise. But this this is is our best time of the day. uh, Right now it is, but... Boy, we never get up this early. No, no. And, of course, it's cold and snowy, and welcome to Illinois. And one of the problems with being so jet-lagged, since we're (laughs) totally the opposite side of the world from where we were, and you kind of exchange day for night, is even when you're up, you don't feel like your brain is connected to the rest of you. So if something we say doesn't make sense, um, please cut us some slack. But And by next month, we should be fully present. Uh, This is the last day of November, and I don't know why, but I feel a real loyalty to our listeners to get the the podcast up, ready to listen to on the 1st of December. We haven't finished unpacking. We have Christmas decorations to put up. I haven't even visited my mom yet. But... But here we are. Well, what else would you do at 3 in the morning? I don't think your mother would be happy to see you. Not at 3 a.m., no. We are with you, dear listeners, and we hope that you are having a very happy holiday season. It's been strange because India, not being a very Christian society, doesn't even acknowledge Christmas as much of a holiday. And, of course, we flew back on Thanksgiving, which meant that the plane was almost empty. All the way 16 hours. 16 hours hours in the air but it was a a wonderful day to come back because no one else was on the plane almost and we each had a row to ourselves three seats to lie down so and i suspect that i got in my usual eight hours of sleep um eventually and then i woke up and looked at my watch and there was still eight hours to go it was so much fun this is one of the longest flights we've taken we've been to australia and to south africa was a long one too but Oh boy, these uh, flights are killers, but but more than worth it. Yes, we loved India. We're so glad we went. It was so not America, and that's the thing that really is impressive to me is is that this was 180 degrees off of our lifestyle. We have a fairly modern lifestyle, and well, you guys all know what what it's like. RVing in in India? Never. Never. We did not see one caravan RV while we were there. Even and camping. The no only people camping. who were camping well, were homeless people. Well, not even, no. <laughs> or gypsies. Not, not even homeless, but people who, that was their life. But we did spend two days 
glamping. Glamping. Oh, that's very cool. Oh, we'll have to put up some pictures about that. I'm glad we you brought that up. We went to the push hey, car. Hey, have you guys glamped? We went to the push <laughs> car camel fair, uh, which, which was a major festival for 500,000 Indians who came yes. to this tiny little town over the 10, 12-day festival. And because it is a little town, it doesn't have near enough hotels for everybody who wanted to be there. Yes. So for us white-faced type people, they put up um, a very fancy glamp and we each had our own tent with an attached a, a canvas tent i mean it was a real canvas with tent. an attached canvas bathroom and okay. running water can you imagine and this? A, oh, real a real toilet, toilet. the water was and heated a few times during the day and the electricity was on during some while. times of the day but, All provided by but good enough and then we ate in a giant yeah. dining tent oh. it reminded me of a circus there were tent. probably Three, two hundred people in our camp. In our camp, and we took a hot air balloon <gasps> and flew over the area and noticed that there were other similar glamping possibilities yes. in other parts of Pushkar. So the Pushkar Camel Festival is where I don't know, if it's not exactly a festival, but a but a buying and sellers market for camels. Fifty thousand camels are bought and sold uh, in a two week period, and they have a associated festival. Three Ferris wheels, for instance, to Five. go along with it. Five. Yes. Uh, the way that I kind of wrapped my mind around it was I thought of the Illinois State Fair. Yes. Because for the locals, it was kind of a state fair opportunity. You come and you bring your animals and Huge you show them of off. People. And it's a family thing. Right. People were buying cotton candy um, and they were sucking on sugar cane rather than so eating there were people there fried doing corn business, dogs. Yeah. And then family stuff for the, the fair part. And all sorts of trinkets and for of sale. It's an Event. And we went to um, camel races instead of tractor pulls. Yes, camel races. And we got to ride camels. We got to be pulled by camel carts. Are we tourists or Are what? Are we tourists or what? Uh, there weren't really that many tourists there. Uh, I mean, there were several hundred people in our camp, as well as, as she mentioned, several camps. But in terms of the total number of people, it was not really very much. Uh, us white folks, this has been a strange experience. Although if we live long enough, we white faces may become the minority in our country as well. well. For all of our lives, we have used to been the dominant, the typical-looking faces and when you go to india you suddenly find yourself a celebrity simply because you have a white face people would thrust babies into our arms they would try to take pictures with us they would want to shake hands just because we were white it was a very strange experience yeah, so we found uh, india to be a very welcoming society and the people were extremely nice to us I was expecting to find lots more English mm -hmm. because of the British rule for so long. There's a fair amount of hostility towards the British. And understandably, understandably so. They plundered so. the they, place. Yes, they did. They took India from a tier one country to a tier two country in no time at all. Um, you, that's something you'd expect from the United States. But no, it's done by the Brits. Anyway... Um, now we are seen as uh, an unusual species in the country, and they wanted to talk to us. And, and although many people 
understand English, a lot of people don't speak English. Because they don't use it. They learn it in school. And they knew very little about us. We learned that you couldn't say you were from the United States because that wouldn't ring a bell. You had to say you were from America. And those who knew a little more would say, oh, we love Obama. And we'd say, oh, really? Why? And they'd say, I don't know. And that would end the conversation. So it's unusual to go to someplace in the world where our culture doesn't dominate. Or even have much influence. Have much influence. India was a satellite of the Soviets, so that kind of puts them at at odds with us. But because India has 1.3 billion people... And 3,000 years of history and culture, they have no need of ours. A very different religion. There are no American, well, very few American programs on TV. You know, in most parts of the world, when you turn on the the TV, you'll see reruns uh, subtitled in the local language of our TV shows, which kind of gives people a very false impression about the United States, but yet they have an impression. In India... There was no impression. There was no impression. The... TV stations, and there were a lot of them. I mean, there would be 20, 30, 40 stations coming through satellite, and they would all be in the local language, and they would all have local programming. And as Indian we, programming and as we move into local. our Christmas season, and we look forward to all of the Christmas films and the Academy Award-nominated films that always come out this time of year, in India, that. we were there for Diwali, which is kind of like their Christmas in terms of the yes. behavior of the people, and they were all excited about 30-plus um, Bollywood films, films that, that were, were being up. released for Diwali, and so we would see they the have no theaters, need of ours. See at the movie theaters the ads for the for the movies, and we would see that there were not any English subtitled movies available, and the the big films that we might watch here um, just aren't on their radar. Just so, in many ways, that's very interesting because that means we are really visiting someplace else, else. and with the religion, um, which we totally misunderstand, the clothing that the women wear, they're you know saris. Here look like a costume. Saris in India is everyday wear. It's what you wear, whether you're on the road crew or you're serving tea. Totally amazing. Working people, working women, kids, uh, adults, right up to the, the wedding ceremony is done in a sari. Obviously different qualities and probably different decorations, but still, it's so... Wow, is it colorful. We took so many pictures. Indeed. We have been... <laughs> well, it's new cameras take- New cameras with, uh, with lots of megapixels means that you're going to have big libraries of photos. So I suspect we'll be spending the winter in our next campground working on our India pictures. And we'll try to put some up for you to see uh, of our glamping as well as other uh, experiences that we had during our India trip. And even though India felt very not America to us, there was one way where I felt very in tune with these people in that they seemed to share what we would call the American dream. Both of our our tour guides, who we got to know the best, uh, started in very poverty-stricken childhoods uh, with very little to live on, no wherewithal, and yet they worked their way up to being tour guides and have had children and families of their own who are now going to be engineers and accountants and professionals 
professional people and have even a better life than their We're talking about people that are dirt poor. We One guy lived in a little village and spent his childhood helping his mother make dried cow patties so she would have something to burn in the oven and cook on. And we don't, this is not the least bit unusual. No, we saw it we everywhere. Saw thousands of cow patties being dried in the sun for the oven later on. So we went to, one of the nice things I think we mentioned last time is is that we were on a tour with a company called OAT, uh, Overseas Adventure Travel, or as I mentioned, Old American Tourist. But the nice thing is is that OAT tries to get you in contact with local people, and we very much appreciate that. So since our last tour, although we did this in, in Sri Lanka, since our last tour, we have visited several homes of people. And just regular uh, folks. Just regular folks that were hosting us for uh, some event like tea. So one place we went to was in a very small village of maybe a couple hundred people. And, of course, because our group is small, we visited, uh, our 15 visited a school. And what can I say about the school? The oat had built them toilets, otherwise they probably wouldn't have toilets. And they had three computers in a they little lab. They had three lab. computers in a lab. They had desks, or ch- no, they had benches for mm-hmm. the students to sit on. And... Uh, they had some blackboards, but they had no pens and pencils and and um, places to you know paper to write on. Which is how do you go to school like that? Use a slate, I guess. But what's really fascinating to me is is that when you talk to the students, and they had learned English in this school, so the, they were very anxious to chat with us, and they had a very positive spirit about their future that you would say, what are you going to do? And they would have these lofty goals. Whether they achieve them or not is not really important. Well, it is important, but it's not that. It's the fact that they have this spirit that I'm going to be a success in my life and that I have a decent future. They felt positive about themselves and about their country, and they had aspirations. It was nice to see. Which I feel so much in the United States, poverty is uh, kind of a a lost cause. You get in poverty, and it's a cycle, and you can't get out of it, and you're destined to be there for the rest of your life. And without a good education, you can't get out of it. And that's uh, what we saw here is, is that parents really put forth the effort to make sure that their kids got a decent education so that they could lift themselves out of poverty. And and we're talking about real poverty. So we had tea with this lady in the village of 200 after visiting the school. And we brought our own bottled water. <laughs> but she boiled it over a cow patty fire. Cow patty fire. Okay, so she boils the water over the cow patty fire, and she had a nice big supply of cow patties ready to heat the house and stuff. Um, the house itself was totally without utilities. They had a toilet someplace in the village with, that they used. A, a wooden floor. I'm not, no, sorry. A dirt, a floor. dirt floor. And they didn't sleep in the house anyway because it was usually too hot, so they slept out in the courtyard where we had tea sitting on their I beds. I guess maybe you could say a lot of these people camp full-time. Well, that's exactly they what I was like saying. They like camping. This is, no! This is not <coughs> camping. This is, we would never camp like this. They go to a pump with pails and get the uh, water for their house. We have a spigot that we turn on. Yeah, and, well, we, and even in the in most campgrounds, they have for the contenders they have an electric thing they this place she had no electric appliances no, no. appliances whatsoever no. No. they had a broom which was made out of twigs twigs they have that's that's the vacuum 
I, and of course, no TV, no radio, no nothing like that. That you would. That's camping is something else. <laughs> Especially the way we camp, but we show people our RV and they were like, their eyes incredible. Away. But of course, they, there were six or eight people living in this very small one room place. Well, I actually had two rooms, but the, the family structure is very different than it is in the United States because the family has to take care of the elderly. And that's just the way it is. Everybody takes care of the of their family members and that everybody takes care of everybody else so that if you don't have any family members uh, your neighbors will take care of you and that's when you get into old age so they didn't have old age homes per se they just stick with the family or any social services for old people and then marriages and this is 80% of the weddings in India are arranged and the couple barely knows each other when they marry. And from what they told us, the arranged marriages have a far higher success rate than what they call love marriages, which love is marriages. what we would say. You almost have to elope to have a love marriage. And that's because you cause big family problems. In India, you're not just marrying another person. It's a yeah, joining of, of two, two families. families. And it's very vital for the families to get along with each other. Otherwise, but it won't work. We think of this as so archaic and that it's not really commonplace any place in the world in this modern age but in India it is the norm and and multi-generation homes multi- used to be the norm so, in our country so when a couple gets married the woman moves in with her mother-in-law and the rest of the women in the family and that's and, how and she stays the rest of her, her life, life. Exactly. And she has to, if she's the youngest, she has to keep her face veiled. I mean, just really strange and customs there, by our standards. And if there are other men in the family who marry as well, then you live with all of the other exactly. daughter-in-laws as exactly. well. Um, in some cases, it reminded me a little bit of Mormon families um, where people have sister wives and, and cook together and have share the child care. Yes. It's a different social order, but it works and that's for once them. again the 180 degree difference from the United States, just unbelievable. And our guide, our most recent guide uh, was uh, a product of a family of three brothers. They were all married at one point and our our guide had been divorced, which is a very unusual occurrence, but But he also had a love marriage. But he also had a love marriage. Oh, that, oh that's true. And the the two other brothers lived with his parents back uh, in the village, he made it very clear that one of his goals was to move back into his old room, which was in the house still. What's his retirement plan? To go back and live there uh, so that he could be with his family. And we're just like, whoa. And you you never make any important decisions in your life without consulting your family or expecting to be consulted by your family members. Exactly. It's always a pooled wisdom. So another night we had a dinner. With a a young couple. With a young couple hosted, and they were uh, arranged marriage. But they seemed very happy. I mean, they spoke... Very positively about each other, and there was they felt like a team when right. they worked. And they spoke both spoke quite good English, so it was nice and fun for us to to talk with them. And we learned a lot, um, but they learned a lot too because at the end of the near the end of the conversation, uh, after the end of dinner, I said, "Do you have any questions for us?" And the us was uh, us two, another couple who were childless, and a single woman. So there were five of us guests and two hosts. The uh, the host says, "Well, uh, you know, tell us about your family situation, and how many children you have." 
And he looked at me because I asked the question, and I said, oh, we are uh, by design and uh, by decision that we didn't have any children in our 43 years of marriage. There was the stunned silence. And I, I've, you often hear about you hear the term, you know, the jaw drops. And there was this stunned silence and this look of total incredulity. incredulity on his face. And he said, you have no children and you didn't want any children? And I said, yes, that's exactly right. And who's going to take care of you in your old age? And he just, he just said, that's unbelievable. And then when he discovered that the other couple, couple had no children and the single woman had never married and had no children. And was not, and was not upset about it. I mean, none he of us... He just couldn't believe it. He, his draw, he was just like, what is happening in America? But on the other they hand... They can understand our lifestyle. I had just finished a long conversation with the wife who described to me how every move she made was decided by horoscope and by astrologers and I had a hard time keeping my jaw from hanging on the ground during that conversation well, too. That's, that's the 180 degree difference between us and them is is that every time we talked to somebody it was a jaw dropping experience driving in, in India you would never we could never drive in India even though the traffic was very safe it was just to us totally chaotic this was the first airport major airport I'd ever been in that had no rental cars. Because it wouldn't be safe to rent a car and drive, even if you were used to driving on the left, which they do. Well, yeah, but I mean, we've driven on the left many times, but to go to an airport and not see, you know, the lineup of rent-a-car companies is just unbelievable to us, and they didn't have that, because the traffic in India is just a whole other experience. (laughs) Traffic lights, traffic laws are just not um, adhered to at all. And it works. That's what the interesting thing about it is. There are, uh, the traffic laws are informal, and there's ways to get around, and the traffic is horrendous, but it moves. The traffic is horrendous, but there are very few accidents that we saw. It's hard to believe and hard to describe. Well, we learned that when we wanted to cross the street, it was foolish to wait for an opening oh, yes. because there never is an opening. And so what you do is you just start slowly and steadily walking. You don't don't stop. And as long as you maintain the pace, they can judge when where, you're going exactly. to be where they yeah, are, and they will miss and you. you. Um, <laughs> now, we, this is really hard We to do. saw a blind guy with a cane crossing six lanes of traffic, and he was just fine. Now, things are not going along at uh, 100 miles an hour no. or 50 miles an hour. But still. Things are moving along at maybe 15 or 20 miles an hour. But to see six lanes of traffic and you just honest to god close your eyes and start walking don't stop because if you stop that confuses them because nobody stops so you just walk and they will drive around you they will never hit you um but they will come close and if there's two inches of empty space someone will move in to fill it and don't look at the oncoming traffic because you will never take the first step so all sorts of things that we learned and as i said it's just a a very different sort of society but we did get our bus blessed before we started our first journey by the the (laughs) travel god and people in our buses and in the cars that we saw often have some kind of an amulet or a god to protect themselves um and keep them safe we already have a buddha on the dashboard of our motorhome from a previous driving adventure in thailand and now we are adding actually two a charm to hang on the rearview mirror and you're blinking the the religion in in india is 
Hindu. <laughs> well, yes, but uh, it, it fuses itself into every aspect of their lives, but they seem to kind of take it with a sly grin and saying, well, what the hell? It may work and it may not, but I'm going to give it a try. They religiously follow all sorts of... To us, very unusual and I, ceremonies. My number and, may be wrong, but I think they said they had over 300,000 gods. And I thought, how on earth am I ever going to learn that? But they said, really, they're all just different manifestations of the same god. So so if you bless your bus before you take a trip... What the heck? What the heck? And so we drove to this place, this Hindu temple, and... The priest, one of many, priest comes out and sprinkles water and puts dust or clay on our thing and puts some hanging doodads on it. And he lit a candle and waved it and around. And we were safe. So the driver says, hey, it worked. And everybody at this facility had car-type blessings. Um, the other reason people came there was when they bought a new vehicle and they had it blessed by the priest. Um, so it was like the transportation god. So I figure, what the heck? So... One of the cool things is, is that not only do they have these hanging things, but they have very high-tech. Blinking, colorful things. I know. We were able to obtain, um, for just a few bucks, the one of these gizmos, which we're now going to install into our motorhome. So the next time you see us, when, we're, when the engine is running, it will have the blinking... blinking and flashing Hindu blessing. Uh, Hindu blessing god, or the safe travel god, or whatever the heck it is. So we will be... Using it in our motorhome to make sure that we're safe. Very interesting. Of course, we saw very few churches, but uh, we've been through a lot of temples, which, of course, is totally strange to us anyway. The ceremonies, I couldn't tell the difference, for instance, between a wedding and a funeral. They both involve parades and musicians, musicians and costumes, colors, bling. Indians love bling. So we had uh, we have lots of pictures of that sort of stuff. I, I guess uh, the bottom line for us is that uh, if you have an opportunity to go to India, go, go, but go with a tour. You don't want to go by yourself because one of the really nice things uh, I, I felt was the fact that we had this kind of quiet island to visit every day our hotel <laughs> because Which, the hotels that we stayed in were very nice very American modern, standards clean air conditioned good wi-fi so we were able to kind of uh, repose and get ourselves recover back to, from re- the chaos of the well, day and and, and and i didn't find it well it was very polluted but i didn't find it smelly or and we didn't, and, and, but it was just extremely noisy and and chaotic, and people going everywhere. And you're sensory being, overload, and you're being bumped and and prodded, and but not aggressively or or. In, I, I mean, it was everybody. It wasn't the tourists. We were just, just too we, many people. We were just there. If you want a very unusual and a very untourist-like experience uh, in terms of the tourism and the rest of the world, then India is a place to consider visiting. And we didn't get sick. We did not no get deli sick, belly. But we have. <sighs> I haven't had a hamburger in seven. I haven't had any beef <laughs> in seven weeks. <laughs> I was very surprised that in our very first hotel in India, on the menu was, was, a hamburger. A, was an American hamburger, and it was good. And I thought, oh, this is going to be great. India's going to be not so bad. That was the last beef item on the menu that we saw for the next seven weeks so we have yet to uh, because we just got home we have yet to uh, actually go out and experience some oh we had a really good time on thanksgiving 
we had told our family that we're not going to be available because we arrived at 5.30 in the morning on Thanksgiving Day after 16 hours in the air. So we didn't think we'd be very good company, so we just kind of said we're going to take a pass on Thanksgiving. Well, little did we know that there were no restaurants in our area open on Thanksgiving. Or stores. Or stores. So... We did find, after driving around, we, we were going to go to a restaurant and have Thanksgiving at a restaurant after we woke up and, you know, kind of on our own schedule. We couldn't find anything open. So we, <laughs> we went to the, uh, a grocery store, which was open, and we bought two helpings of turkey and... Mashed and, and stuffing and, and cream and broccoli. And came home and, and put them in our microwave. <laughs> it and was, it tasted pretty good. It was the first Thanksgiving dinner that I made. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> so, let's talk a little bit about technology. We took, uh, as she mentioned, how many thousands of pictures? About 15,000 pictures, which we are just kind of going through because India was just so colorful. Uh, our cameras and stuff worked very well. Unfortunately, though, I had one lifted out of my pocket. Or maybe it fell out. I doubt it. Uh-huh. At the Pushkar Camel Festival, yes. it disappeared. So my little Sony camera has to be replaced. But Martha liked her, her SX230. It worked very well for me, for most things. Oh. There, It's a little bit slow on the uptake. That's the so, Canon. So there were times when uh, we were riding in an open bus down the street, and I wanted to take pictures of people doing stuff, and it didn't react and focus fast enough. But otherwise, it worked fine. So one of the things that the Sony had, which, which we found to be really a nice feature and this is the sony rx 100 has panorama capabilities and that was really a nice feature uh, so many times we needed a, a vast sweeping picture of the giant temple and or it all worked, the people it was or... very slick and worked very well so martha's thinking about replacing her camera with the sony h something 50 I don't remember and it has uh, so the the sony's have this this panorama mode where you just Press the button and, and pan, and it automatically area. creates the pictures, which we thought was very nice. You can do the same thing with your iPhone, too. Yes, you can, but not with your iPad. We kind of shocked people because we had two computers. Two iPads, two phones, and, multiple cameras. And 33 pounds of luggage, uh, which was a, a, a kind of a big problem because uh, you can't buy many souvenirs when you have just the, that small amount of luggage. But uh, we took along the Tower of Power to charge things up, which, of course, is important to keep things uh, going. And, of course, it's 220, but uh, we had electricity everywhere and we were able to keep our batteries charged. Well, we kind of had electricity. Uh, Just about every hotel had a giant generator right next to it. And one hotel owner said that he only could use the shore power, shall we say, 60% of the time. And then there'd be a little blink, and then he would have to go to his generator. So the power was not reliable. House-sized generators for the hotels because they ran the air conditioning. Even in the most modern hotels. Oh yeah, they all had, and you can tell how often a generator has been used by the by the condition of the muffler. Uh, In the United States, if you see a backup generator at a hospital or someplace like that, you know the 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 muffler is still nice and shiny silver, whereas these were all rusted away, had obviously been used heavily. So. Uh, electricity is a problem. Water is a problem. 60% of the country doesn't have sewage capabilities. That's very sad. We saw men peeing against the wall everywhere, everywhere. we went. That was kind of smelly, but people living in you know absolute squalor situations by our standards. But, but they were happy. And everybody was selling something. Everybody was selling something. 
Um, and we had several interesting bus bazaars where the tour guide goes out and gets the, rather than being samples uh, of the vendor supplies. And we have pictures with oh our our nice uh, turban. Uh huh. We bought a lot of uh, very interesting things. We'll try to put some of those pictures up. Speaking of that, though, we want to promote the Google Plus RV Navigator website. Uh, I haven't had a chance to do much, but I did uh, post a few things, and we've had quite a few new listeners or listeners who uh, signed up for it and uh, are following us on Google Plus. And I have a link to it on our webpage, and I will continue to have that link. And so, our New Year's resolution is to be more actively involved with the page and do more. Well, we want to do a little bit more social media. So I'm very interested to hear uh, what you guys have to say and if you like it and what we could do to make it better. So drop us an email to let us know now that we're home make some suggestions make some suggestions uh, and maybe i'll make a picture a page of pictures from india and see how that uh, goes over i always have a question about where i should put some pictures but i some of our listeners have always said you know we'd like to see more about uh, the places that you've been so we'll try to do that during the trip we used uh, dropbox for sharing pictures and that's very nice we have enjoyed Dropbox a lot. And if you're looking to get somebody a Christmas present, you might want to think about uh, starting to use Dropbox because it puts a folder on your desktop that looks just like uh, a hard drive or a flash drive so that you can just drop things in there and share them with your family. You can share them with uh, the, your, your fellow travelers. You can share them with your wife, your husband. And it looks, for all practical purposes, and works just like a, another hard drive, but it is cloud storage. So you, know, you have to be big... on the Internet to access it. Well, no, because it downloads it to your computer. And, for instance, what I did, I had a hard time getting pictures from my laptop to my iPad because I don't sync my iPad with my laptop. So the iPad, I had no way of getting the pictures to it. So they both have Dropbox, and that's another nice thing about Dropbox. This is that it's Android, iOS, Mac, Windows, everything compatible. There's a little app that, that will make it work. With Dropbox on my iPad, I just put the pictures up there with the laptop and then access them through Dropbox app on my iPad and put them right on my iPad for everybody to look at. So that's a very nice feature, and if you haven't seen Dropbox, then you might want to uh, consider it for yourself. Now, as a... <laughs> we're going to skip to the end here. As another feature, one of the things you might want to do is have a Dropbox of your own. And Pogo Plus, which I'll put the link to in our website has a device of Pogo Plug. I just purchased the Pogo Plug Series 4 multimedia sharing device. Now that sounds like a, a real mouthful, but what it does is it allows you to plug it into your home router that's connected to the internet, and then you have Dropbox of your own so that any place in the world you can access that hard drive that's plugged into the Pogo plug, and they have an app for Windows, an app for Mac, iOS, Android, so that you can access your pictures or whatever you want to put up there, your files that are on this hard drive from any place in the world. Now, is that cool? Very cool. And, of course, it's a one-time expense, and the box only cost me like $25. And I suppose for an RVer, as I'm thinking about it, any right. sort of documents that you have, insurance policies right. or roadside service information that you want to have ready access to, you can just store a copy of it. Well... Things like your passport yeah. scans. But I'm thinking about when you're RVing in the well, U.S. And, and I have to say, 
we've dealt now with uh, three groups who are traveling, and so many people used the same card. No, no, I don't think anybody else had a laptop. Very few of no, our fellow travelers no. had. Numerous people had Kindles and Pads iPads sort, sort. And, and phones. And that was their access to the Internet. But they didn't seem to worry about the fact that their camera, they were just take, continuously taking pictures on their camera card, and, or they put in another card, but they didn't back it up. Now, on our situation, <laughs> we, uh, even though we took 15,000 pictures, I actually have three copies of those 15,000 pictures because I wanted to make sure that, that in case something happened to a camera or to a hard drive or something that I would have it backed up. The reason why we went to India is to take pictures, right? Oh, she's not agreeing It was with me. a reason. A reason, okay. And, of course, when my camera was stolen, it had on it only the pictures from, from the morning. From that day. From the morning that I was taking pictures. So I didn't lose that many pictures, um, although I was, it was regrettable, but I still didn't lose that many. But if somebody else lost their camera, had it stolen, they would be... They'd lose the whole trip. Lose their whole trip. And how in the world would you do that? Why? I mean, that's just crazy. But, of course, with this Dropbox at home, we could send our pictures back home and they would be here when we arrived. So that's a definite uh, thing to consider. Also, we had a very fun time watching TV from home. Very cool. As I mentioned, I had my simple TV box hooked up and we left the internet on at home so that places that we had good internet, we could watch... The Bears game. The Bears game, right. Or Brian Williams or the news or whatever we want. I could set it up to record whatever I wanted and watch it from any place in the world. You can do that with a number of devices. A sling box will do that and the simple TV, which to me is a very simple choice. And I think some of our fellow travelers who were not gone as long as we were were kind of happy happy to be away from the news but for seven weeks that's a long time to be out of touch and it was nice to have the capability to catch up with what's going on at home when we had the internet and could do it so i'm going to give a little lesson here okay because a lot of our a lot of the people as we travel they don't quite understand the relationship between wi-fi and internet and data and this is a relevant topic if you're using campground wi-fi exactly this is very relevant and i think that You have to make a distinction between Wi-Fi and Internet. So I'm going to use an analogy here and and make the analogy of a water pipe or a water system. In order for you to bring water to your house, you have to have a pipe. But because you have a pipe does not mean there's water in it. So you have to have two things. You have to have the pipe, and then you have to have a pump which pumps water through the pipe to get it to your house. You can have the biggest pipe in the world coming to your house, but if you have a trickle of water going through it, you still can't fill the bathtub. And if you're in a campground that has many pipes siphoning off the water because many RVers are trying to use the Internet... It comes out as a trickle. And and you get um, shut down or you lose your connection. Right. So when you're thinking about Internet, you think about Wi-Fi as the pipe. So when you see uh, the fan or the the bars, on, the your bars on your phone or whatever, that's the pipe. But because you have a, a strong pipe, because you have a lot of bars or you have a fan that has a lot of bars on it, doesn't mean that you have any data or water flowing through that pipe. Because the data comes from the head end, wherever wherever that happens to be, back at the campground, whatever internet connection they have. The Wi-Fi just is the pipe. 
So if you have a lot of users with a very big pipe, the data flowing through that pipe is still going to be minimal. Diluted. Diluted. I don't know if dilute is the right word, but it's going to be, there's going to be less of the data coming through. So at home here, I not only have a very ro- big pipe, but I have a lot of data flowing through that pipe. High water pressure. High water pressure, exactly. As much water pressure as I possibly can use, which is very important. So at some hotels, we had very strong Wi-Fi but only a trickle of data coming through. So pages would load slowly. Exactly. We couldn't so, download podcasts. Internet it, would kind of trickle and, in. And by the same, Email to- would trickle and by the same token, you can have the reverse. If you're a long way from the Wi-Fi access point, the AP, then you can have very high data pressure, but the pipe isn't big enough to take it. And your service is still feels service. poor to you. Exactly. So in many cases, um, and I'm thinking about buying something like a, a Wi-Fi extender, which increases the distance of the pipe from the Sen- access sender. point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, from the sender. So that I can be further away and have the same size pipe. Because the further away the less the diameter of the pipe. So what is this extender? Is it a machine or an antenna? Yeah, it's a little piece of, it's a, both. Uh-huh. It's an antenna and a piece of hardware. Signal booster kind of? Right. It'll, it, a signal bo- not only a signal booster, but it has a more powerful transmitter and receiver. So with an antenna, you can, because it's up high, it'll, re- it'll have more gathering capability, so it'll maintain the pipe for a longer distance. But it doesn't impact how much data is in that pipe. And that's the problem with our satellite Internet, is, is that the strength of the pipe is very good, but the amount of data that we get down through it is not as great. And certainly in large campgrounds, your signal strength can be very variable depending on where you are, so you might want to exactly. use it in that context also. Exactly. There are all sorts of reasons. And I would like to refer you to a website which uh, talks about this. It's called Communications on the Road, and I'm not going to give you the uh, URL here, but of course it'll be on our website. And it talks about uh, range extenders and all these sorts of things. And so this is a, a travel issue no matter where we are, if you want to use data and you want to use the Internet. But one of the things we did find also was that uh, I got a SIM card for my iPad, which was very cool. An Indian SIM card. An Indian SIM card, exactly. And I was able to buy, this is unbelievable, I was able to buy six gigabytes for about $20 of data. Such a deal. Such a deal. And it was 3G. They don't have uh, 4G currently in India, but 3G seemed to work fine. And so when we didn't have a lot of data flowing through our pipes in the hotel, we would get a nice data pipe from 4G. And we were able to tether so I could put my laptop onto your iPad and do my work. Yes, exactly. So that was uh, that was a very nice experience, um, and and cell phone uh, is everywhere in India. Mm-hmm. And one carrier for the well, we just used one carrier, and it was throughout the whole country. It appeared that even the poorest person would have a cell phone. It was like a necessity. Yes, in some cases they were spending ten percent of their income on their a cell, cell phone. phone, and it wasn't a smartphone. But they had to have. That was the infrastructure that they used to keep in touch with the family, and that and keeping in touch with the family was essential. Very important. And you don't understand how tours could take place without cell phones these days, because we're always calling the bus driver saying we're going to be here and where to meet, and we're ready to go. And now. our guide gave us his phone number, and he said, "No problem. Just uh, stop somebody and ask him to call me." And because we didn't have cell phones that worked, because we didn't buy SIM cards for our phones. 
So none of us had an actual cell phone that was operational. So he said, oh, no problem. Anybody will give you their phone and let you dial a number because it's it's virtually free to make phone calls. And you call me, and I'll come and get you or you know, solve the problem or whatever happen, it happens to be. India has been a big topic here. Yes. I don't want to go on too long. But I would have to say that I am really looking forward to traveling for a while without a suitcase. Oh, yeah. Being able to have all the things that I need well, and many more things I don't yeah. need. And you know, not having to pack on seven weeks, Seven weeks of group travel like this where somebody else is calling the shots and... The pace. The pace and... How long you're going to spend it, somewhere. It wasn't that it was... Well, it was fairly grueling. I mean, we did a lot of travel and a lot of bus days and a lot of driving. And and we saw a lot. Yeah. We, yeah, yeah. It was... Uh, a great experience and not one and one which we expected but i'll tell you to get back to the rv where you have everything and it's your own pace and and even though we have to do our own driving it's still a a much more pleasurable experience and i that's why we can do rving for six months at a time rather because we're exhausted after seven weeks i had four shirts and three pairs of pants so we're ready to burn all those clothes and never wear them again and we were washing our underwear out in the sink. In the sink well, I'm thinking that even though we're not in the mood, it is Christmas time. Oh, really? And It is? And some people might have RVers in their lives or might be making their gift list for uh-huh. what they would like Santa to bring them. Oh, I mean, Do we have any suggestions? Have there been any advertisements on TV for Christmas well, stuff? Well, we don't know. We haven't. Been it was watching. Black Friday. We bought new iPads. Black Friday was yesterday. Merry Apple Christmas Apple offered to a $75 us. gift certificate, so we bought new iPads. So the first time I touched them, they were introduced while we were gone, and so I hadn't even seen them other than pictures. And do we like them? Very nice. Same size screen as my old one, but much lighter and much smaller. It'll be good for all sorts of travel. I was going to buy one, but she insisted that she gets one, too. Well, I needed more storage space. Mine was older than yours. Yeah, one of the things I would like to do is not to have to bring a laptop. But we're not at that point yet. I don't think so. even though I'm going to try doing uh, one of the podcasts using the iPad, the iPad for all the pictures that we have, I just don't know how this to. This winter, store them. we'll have time to experiment. So, if anybody has any ideas, I would like to know how to use a tablet. Of course, there is a rumor that Apple's coming out with a new Laptop. large tablet. Oh, twelve point five inch screen. So then we'll need that instead. We just bought these. We'll trade them in. Oh dear. So, if anybody has uh, the need for an iPad, we have one for sale. Two. Well, one is sold. Oh. But uh, if you'd like to have a nice iPad for Christmas, we could send it to you for a very minimal cost. Christmas gifts. Well, you wrote down Scotty Vest, which to me is not an RVing thing. Well, I think it is. Because? It's got lots of pockets, and every RVer likes pockets. But when you're in your RV, you have all well, your you stuff? Well, you might want to take a look at Scotty Vest. I found it to be invaluable. Because well, I, I like to wear a vest that has a lot of pockets when I'm out touring and stuff. And I, you know, that I wore virtually the whole time a vest. Unfortunately, the Scotty vest that I had was kind of a winter one. It was a fleece, and so because it was 85 degrees, I looked not only stupid, but I also was very hot wearing it. So the Scotty vest that I took to India, I, we needed it because in the evening it was sometimes in the 50s, and of course when we came back to Chicago it was in the we 30s. We really needed it. So we really needed it. But and you needed, we needed to bring something along, and that was the jacket that I brought along. But in the airport, I could take my iPad and my iPhone, my cameras, put them into pockets. And one of the cool things is is that airports are not savvy to this, so they don't count it as a carry-on. It's just a jacket. They don't weigh your clothes. They don't weigh, literally. And my jacket would weigh 20 pounds. And the nice thing about the Scotty Vest is, is that 
the pockets are on the inside, but it doesn't look like it's a bulging photo jacket, so people don't look at it as something that uh, would raise suspicion. So Scotty vests are very nice, and they have a new one that uh, actually is summer weight that has the same features, and they have ones for women. They have jackets, they have coats, they have pants, they have all sorts of things with cool pockets in them. And because I am Mr. Pocket... You know, why carry a backpack when you can put all this stuff in your pockets? And have your hands free. And have I your like hands that free. Too. Yes, I, I like it a lot. So I would look at a Scotty vest. Whether you're an RV, I think an RV, lots of RVers would like that, campers and stuff. No? Well, I, it's less important, let's put okay. it that way. Uh, another one, of course, we talked about uh, hit lights. And if you're thinking about replacing the fluorescent lights in your motorhome, use hit lights. There's uh, several demonstrations. Uh, the RV geeks just have one that shows you how to replace. And now you can replace them with hit lights. And hit lights, as you know, come in 13-foot strips, and you cut them apart so that one 13-foot strip could replace all of the fluorescent lights in your motorhome. And you can cut the strip you to cut fit the exactly in, the area it, that exactly. you're trying to light. And we have used them in many places. I'm about to buy a bunch more strips of hit lights to put all sorts of places. That would be fun. My wife is looking at me skeptically, but it's true. Uh, so inexpensive and fun to do if you are a little bit Electrician-oriented. Yeah. And because it's 12 volt, it's, you're not going to kill yourself. Uh, USB docks. So... You need to connect up your iPhones and iPads and Androids. And, you know, you need one of the things that we bought was a power strip that we take on our trips and we use in our motorhome, power strip that has USB ports on it. It's becoming so common, and I bought the plugs that have the USB ports on them now so that uh, you can charge your USB devices, and almost everything these days is, uses USB to charge it so that you buy kind of it's kind of like a universal charger because it's USB so you have you plug it into the wall has two or three USB ports on it as well as a couple of uh, standard plugs because only the computers these days are the things that don't use USB to charge. That you have to plug in with yeah. a regular plug. Right. And the other thing we think that RVers should take a look at is um, these flexible hoses. They have a variety of different manufacturers' names, but right. I'm sure you've seen the infomercial late at night. It's a very small hose that kind of collapses into itself and kind of a little curly pile, but stretches out to the length of a full hose and is very light and mm-hmm. small, which are RVers would appreciate. We do have to add that we yes. have had one explode on well, us yes. already, that they're not that robust. I don't think you want to use it for your drinking water or for the connection to the to the RV, pedestal. to the pedestal. Yeah. But I use it for washing the car and the RV and, you know, just in general use of filling things up with water. So that would be a, a good choice also. Because otherwise hose takes up a lot of room in an RV. Huge, and sometimes right. you need a lot of it if you're not close and to these, the spigot. And these are 50 feet, and, they're, and they seem to work pretty well, although because they're so light, they seem flimsy, but <coughs> they seem to work rather, rather well. We have a nice email here from Steve. And Steve makes several points that... Uh, I think are worth looking at. He talks about our jacks, and he says um, he's had jacks from a company called Quadra Bigfoot Jacks, and they've been on his coach, his Ultrasport, and he has had very good luck with them. And he suggests that maybe we would like to replace ours. I don't think we're going to replace ours. I think we've got the problem solved now that we have the ground issue taken care of. But if you're looking to put jacks in, you might want to take a look at what he says uh, are the, the Bigfoot Jacks. 
Second, second is your comment on your data plan. I've been with Verizon for many years, and all of our travels, uh, we rarely find found a place that didn't have coverage. Well, he hasn't been to Alaska. I now have a Motorola Droid phone that is easily configurable as a hotspot and shares my data with any device I choose. I have six gigs when we travel and switch to one gig when we are at home. All of that is done online and works quite well. Your results may vary overall, but I've been very happy with their service. Uh, as you know, we've switched to Verizon. And I really like the idea of being able to pay by the month for the service that you need because the needs do change a lot when you're home or when you're on the road. But we have found many places that don't have Ver- data service. Yeah. Uh, okay for voice. And, of course, those things change with the years. As uh, as time goes by, more and more places have uh, decent data service, but we often are in places where... More boonie places, More boonie places. So I'm not sure where Steve is, uh, where he's camped. And the other issue is six gigs a month. That's just not nearly enough. <laughs> this was interesting that we bought six gigs in India and used it up in about two weeks. So... Um, and that was being very frugal, I would say. Whereas our satellite connection has more like twenty a month, and it's and even there we're careful for twenty gigs. We have to be care- we're energy we're data hogs. What can we? Yeah, say? Yeah, I think we've decided that we're pretty much data hogs. So for us, although my new iPad I got with cellular da- cellular data, and I think we're going to connect it up uh, to our data pool so that we can tether with it and stuff like that. So we'll be using uh, Steve's plan as well as continuing with the internet. Uh, so next month we'll have some experience with that and we'll let you know how that goes. Lastly are your comments about the tire pressure monitoring system. I've been involved with Pressure Pro for many years and I was surprised to hear your comments. Uh, while Doran and Pressure Pro used to be the same device, that changed about six years ago. Anyway, the bottom line is, is that uh, I bought the TSP system and I got rid of the Duran, and they make the comment here that the Pressure Pro is, although it looks the same, it's the Pressure Pro is a much more high-quality product than the Duran, and I was very disappointed with the Duran, and I probably would have been happy with the Pressure Pro, but it was more expensive, so at the time that I bought it, that was it. I'm not going to change right now from the, the system that I have, or at least I'm going to try it out with the wireless thermometer without the wireless thermometers so we'll see how many more rants and raves there are before you change to something else and then uh, we have another email and she said uh, thank you so much for your podcast and helpful information I'm one of those people who have started at show one and I'm moving quickly to listen to them all I did however start listening to your most recent episodes in hopes of getting more current information my family and I and I are poised to full-time next by next fall. Many things need to take place in order to make that reality, but here's the plan. But here's the reason for the email today. I have been in search of a route planner that would allow me to tell, our, tell it our destination as well as how many miles we'd like to travel in a day and give it options for stopping points based on that information. Is there a program out there that will do that for us? Not that we know of. <laughs> a lot of people use streets and trips. But does that But, do you know, that? Google Maps, if you go in there, you can just drag the... The route. I, I would think you'd want to have a little bit more... Well, what do we do? We know where we want to go, and then we see how many miles that is, and then if it's too many miles to go in one day, then we start cutting it into segments. I mean, I don't see this as something that I necessarily would do. But I think we have traveled so much in the U.S., yeah, we kind of have a feel for and of course, distances yeah. and how long it takes and, us and to course, get to places. How many miles you want to travel in a day is so variable based on the 
roads. And if you have more than one driver? All sorts of things. Well, but I mean, they, but even in advance, we can't say that we're going to drive 400 miles in a day depending on the roads that you're going to drive and on. The what happens and, and if the there's construction or an accident? So, or Yeah, it's hard to say. So I think it's a matter of, of being a little bit more knowledgeable about the area so that you can make a good judgment about how far you want to travel. But, listeners, draw, if you have a yeah. favorite planning program that we haven't talked about or that you would like to recommend, please let us know and we'll pass it on. Yeah, that's uh, that's what the podcast is about, is sharing. I would also like to mention that uh, if you're interested in technology, uh, you should be listening to, in addition, of course, to the RV Navigator podcast, you should listen to the TWIT podcasts, um, the TWIT Network run by Leo Laporte, is one of my favorites. And I just listened to one um, called Know How, and I've started listening to this podcast. And they have all sorts of great ideas about uh, little gizmos and gadgets and and things that you can uh, listen to. TWIT stands for This Week in Technology, which is the flagship podcast. But they have podcasts about Many, many technology They're topics. video casts, yes. Some of them are video and some oh. of them are audio. If you go to your iTunes library and look at uh, under Twit uh, or go to twit.tv, you will see the many Twit podcasts because there are probably 15 or 20 on different topics. So if you're interested in Android, they have one. If you're interested in uh, Internet security, they have one. If you're interested in uh, Windows stuff, they have podcasts about all these t- and they talk about experts and another one i listen to is frame rate what's frame rate that's about uh the latest in tv technology oh. and i have another one that i listen to called uh i'm gonna get it this time it's called home theater geeks if you're interested in this technology you want to stay up to date uh and you don't have many people to talk to you can listen to the chatting on and the Twit Network. So I think with that, we will call it a day. Oh, my goodness, we're over an hour. And uh, we will, geez, I thought this was going to be a short podcast. So the sun is coming up in a few minutes, and we are going to, to bed. bed. <laughs> because we still have not quite adjusted to the time zone. Well, it's only been 24 hours. So we are very glad to talk to you and hope that you have a very Merry Christmas. And should we sing? No. No. We'll see you on New Year's Eve when we do our annual New Year's Eve festival. We will hopefully be in Tucson by then, but you never know. You never know. We will be on the road, and you will be with us. So thanks a lot for listening, and we will see you in January in a campground near us in the United States. Happy holidays. Bye now.